having a wonderful time today. Uh, I've just heard just before um, I got up here that they're actually watching this live as a church in the Philippines. I have no idea what time of day or night that is, but whatever it is, they're watching this live, and it is just such a joy and a privilege. Um, I'm preaching live to hundreds and hundreds of, of people in many, many different churches, but I'm actually preaching live in my own church here uh, in, in New Community in Southeast London, which is actually the best church in the world. And you can hear them now. So there we go. That is actually the, the warmest response we've had so far in our meeting. Um, but we're just delighted to be here. So welcome to New Ground Sunday. Uh, once a year we gather like this and have this opportunity to talk about the stories, the testimonies, the church plants, some of the things that we're involved in as a family of churches working into many, many different nations. What a joy it is to be part of a family. We've just had a leadership conference with 350 leaders um, just uh, from Thursday through to Saturday. And it was so wonderful just to be together and then to move on into uh, this particular moment when we're all together listening to the same news and stories. Also, in your church, you would have been encouraged to give to the work of New Ground. And uh, I trust that however you're going to be doing that, some churches have given some time ago, some are yet to give later, some are giving over this weekend, some are doing it as individuals, some are doing it as churches. We just want you to know we're just so, so grateful for generosity of everybody who ever gives. We can't do the things that God has called us to do without that. And of course, we're living in a, an, a time of tremendous challenge economically, uh, a kind of a crisis really in so many nations. And so therefore, the temptation is maybe to back off and not to give. I want to encourage you, nevertheless, that God is our provider. Amen? And that means that when we give, we give by faith. Even in the midst of difficulty, God will still provide for us. So why don't we take some steps of faith as a family of churches and give remarkably generously to the purposes of God? You're not giving to a person or people. You're giving to God's kingdom as it advances uh, throughout the world. So it's a thrill, and it's a thrill for us today just to look at what I pray will be a prophetic word of encouragement for all of us, whether you're sitting here live today in this particular building or wherever you are watching this, that God will stir you in your heart. So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm going to read some very well-known verses, uh, believing that through this, this is the basis of what we're about to share. And in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse Six, it says this, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Often that's a scripture that's read uh, at Christmas. So no doubt in a few weeks' time for many of us will be in settings where that Scripture is read. It's talking prophetically about Jesus coming as a child, unto us a son is given. And often that's where it stops. But let's look at the next verse because it describes some of the things that this King Jesus actually will do. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It describes this coming king, 
and the things that will happen as a result of him being here amongst us as his people. Back in July, the New Ground Core team met together and we decided to have a couple of days where we didn't kind of delve into the details of, of church life and family life, but rather to stand back and to pray and to sense prophetically what God was saying to us as a people. And in standing back, we, we felt this. We felt that New Ground had been a family of churches that had been well established. Secondly, we felt that we had gone on to a time or a season of maintenance, having to maintain the things that have been established. But then thirdly, God was saying to us, it's now time to multiply. It's now time to increase. It's now time to go way beyond where you have been at the moment. And of course, that time of maintenance was kind of enhanced by a two-year global pandemic where life was all about maintenance. It was all about keeping everybody together online and keeping everybody in that very strange world that we lived in. It's a time of being stripped back, a time of unsettling the nest. But we actually believe that it's been a time of preparation. God dealing with us. And as churches are coming back together now and everyone's kind of gathering and being planted, it's fascinating to see so many people coming back into the God's purposes are people that feel that God has done things in their lives as a result of what we would have thought is really negative, but God has used the negative in order to train us and prepare us for what's about to happen. And we absolutely believe as a, as a core team together that what we are being prepared for is now a time of multiplication. You've already heard reference to it in watching this video with us this morning, but there are four key core themes that underwrite everything that we do as a family of churches. We felt God's called us to take new ground in raising leaders and impacting communities and in planting churches and reaching new nations. And over these last however long we've been, 10 plus years we've been as a family of churches, it's been a genuine joy to see those four things becoming a reality. And you've already heard it, that through the academy we've been able to help raise leaders and through apostolic ministry working into churches, we've begun to impact our communities. Again, as you saw, in remarkable ways, helping refugees and all sorts of people. And then also we've been called and God's helped us to take new ground in planting churches and definitely reaching new nations. It's been great to see that. But believing that now all those things are about to be multiplied. We're really stirred about raising up a new generation of leaders. We have planted a few church, but, churches, but we're really stirred now about planting many churches in many, many nations. We've definitely kept our focus on the international, but we're believing that God is now saying to us, it's time to go into many, many new nations. A friend of mine, not part of New Frontiers, when I spoke in his church, he gave me a gift. It arrived through Amazon, you know, through the post, and it was rather large, and I thought, oh, this is exciting. They're giving me a really big gift. It's wonder what it is. And it was a globe. And it was a globe that, that, that is one of those globes where you can stick pins in it. And he just said to me, new ground's gonna grow, so you're gonna have many more pins going into many more parts of the globe. And I just do believe that we are now seeing encouragement, even though the last six or seven months as restrictions have lifted, 
we are so encouraged that all these things that God has done amongst us, established, maintained, are now being multiplied. But here's the burden of what I want to share with everybody this morning as we believe for multiplication. Couldn't this just all be wishful thinking? You know, when you've been through a bad time, it's nice to think that things might get better. Is it just wishful thinking? Are we talking about a kind of post-pandemic optimism? Can't be as bad as that, can it? So maybe things will multiply. And I don't know about you, but if, if that was the basis on which I was confident about multiplication, it really, really wouldn't fill me with much confidence. So let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9. My confidence is in the promises of God. My confidence is in a God who is able to do even the impossible. Hallelujah. My confidence is in a God who will keep his promises and he will make them come to pass. Look at verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It's an amazing promise. We're part of something that's increasing and multiplying. In fact, if you worked hard not to let it multiply, it would multiply anyway. Our confidence is not in ourselves or our numbers or how well we profile ourselves. It's not even in the fact that we've got highly gifted leaders amongst us, which we do have. But our confidence is not even there. Our confidence is in God alone and in his amazing promises and the fact that he is faithful to keep those promises. And look at the last part of verse 7. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. It's not even our self-effort. It's not even running around really trying hard to help the Lord. It's not even our zeal that will do it. His zeal, his passion will accomplish it. That's how committed he is. And so in Scripture, in the Bible, we find that there are unchanging principles. Whether there's global pandemics or not, they're just unchanging principles. And these principles are universal. They work every nation, every part of the world. They're timeless, so they work from generation to generation. Sometimes you read about revival in the past, and you think, well, I wonder whether God would ever do that again. Well, they're timeless promises. They might just be round the corner. These promises are absolutely certain because of God speaking them to us. And today I just want to concentrate on one of those universal, unchanging, timeless principles, which I pray this morning for all of us listening will fill us with total confidence that God is about to multiply what we are doing. And that principle is what the Bible calls the kingdom of God. Again, if you've got your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to Luke chapter 13 and you'll understand that, that the kingdom of God is something often referred to. Um, you might not know this, but in the, in the New Testament alone, 80 times there's a reference to the kingdom of God. Jesus goes around always talking about the kingdom of God. He often does it through parables. So Matthew, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 13 and verse 18. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. 
And again, verse 20, he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. It says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The kingdom of God is like a seed. And once planted, a process of growth begins. Here's the definition of the kingdom of God, because often Christians get a bit confused about what is the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of King Jesus everywhere. The rule and reign of King Jesus over all things. So wherever his people go, the kingdom of God comes. The kingdom of God is not the church, these two things, but the kingdom of God comes through the church. It'll never come without the church. Through the church, the rule and reign of Jesus comes into every area of life. So every day that we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying, let the rule and reign of Jesus come into my street, my workplace, my friends, my family, my school, my university, wherever we live and do life, that is where this kingdom comes. All you're called to do is plant seeds. Every time you plant a seed, this process of impact and the rule and reign of Jesus coming is an inevitable result of planting that seed. There are four things quickly about the kingdom of God and its seed that that happen everywhere. First of all, God initiates it. Secondly, God sustains it. Thirdly, it seems to always begin very small and become large. It increases, as it says in Isaiah 9. And fourthly, it's eternal. And wherever that seed is planted, those four things will begin to happen. And God is calling us to do that very thing ourselves. Luke 13 and this reference to um, a seed being planted, a tiny mustard seed, which you'll know is one of the smallest seeds there is. You can hardly see it. And it says in Luke 13, it results and it grows and it grows into a big tree and the tree increases and even the birds will all nest in it. Whenever I think of that, I think of my garden. We moved into our house 20 years, and unbeknownst to me, my wife had a plan to transform the garden. I mean, it had to have her plan, because I'm not the slightest interested in gardening anyway. But one of the plans I didn't know was to plant potential trees around the garden. So 20 years later, these little seeds, these little plants that were big, are now massive, massive trees. We have one, I think it's called a twisted willow. I'm sure that's translating into the Philippines. But anyway, a twisted willow. And, 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 and this tree just keeps growing. It's absolutely... I can't see the neighbours. Guess what? They can't see me. I mean, it's absolutely huge. And birds nest in it. And where we live in the southeast of London, we have a thing called parakeets. And who knows where they came from. But it's a fulfilment of Luke 13 because my tree... 
or Liz's tree rather, is now full of parakeets and these birds and the noise they make. So every morning I look out, it's a fulfillment of Luke 13. See, our confidence for multiplication is in what's sown. And what seed is that? And this seed is a multiplying seed. Hallelujah. One Bible commentator commenting on Luke 13 and the parable of the kingdom says this. The final outcome is inevitable once the natural process of growth has begun. I think it's so helpful. I'll repeat it again. The final outcome is inevitable once the natural process of growth has begun. The Bible says this, that the kingdom of God is in you. And the kingdom of God is in your local church. And the kingdom of God is worked out through your church and out into society. And if these principles are true, just think about your own life to start with. God initiated something that's been growing ever since in you. You didn't make the seed come. You didn't somehow cause it to come into your life. The Bible says we were dead in our sins, but God has made us alive in Christ. When you're dead, you're dead. Did you know that? There's not grades of deadness. And as far as I know, dead people can't do very much about the state they find themselves in. Someone else has to come and make them alive, and that's what happened to you. He initiates the kingdom of God in your life. What does that tell me? It tells me it's going to grow. I was just a, not a very nice Baptist kid, you know, raised in a Christian family, totally disinterested in God, actually quite rebellious. My goal was to cause as much disruption in the youth group as I possibly could. And then one day God broke into my life. I do not deserve for that to happen. God is the one, and you've got your own testimony, who initiates. And then he's the one who sustains us. He who began a good work, the Bible says, will bring it through to completion. It's not a case of me keeping up. He gives me the Holy Spirit. He gives me people like you to help me, to disciple me. But at the end of the day, it's very, very much about he sustains us. Think of the kingdom of God. It begins very small in you and then it grows. This is the principle I want to get hold of today. It really does. When The day I became a Christian, I didn't know much. I just knew I was saved from my sins. Little did I know it was going to be the beginning of a journey that would grow and grow and grow and grow. And it's also, um, the Bible tells me that I've been born again of an imperishable seed. And that means that this seed is eternal. That when this body gives up, that which God has planted in me goes on forever. That's a very wise investment, isn't it? To give yourself to something that's guaranteed to last beyond the grave. But not only think of yourself, think of the kingdom of God in your local church. There came a time when your church was begun. It was God's plan and not yours. Your church has been sustained ever since then. The ascended Christ is constantly giving gifts to the church in ordering for the church to be sustained. The Bible tells us it's not us who grows the church. That principle of the seed beginning small and then ever increasing, God is the one who does that. They remind you of these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, 
as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. That's terribly reassuring, isn't it? But only God gives the growth. What an amazing statement in terms of God's determination, Isaiah 9, that of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. And then, of course, the church is eternal. The seed planted in the church is eternal because the Bible tells us that the bride of Christ will go into eternity forever. Sometimes people say, I don't know whether I, why I invest in church and why we invest and give our money and our time and our energy. It's the only thing on the planet that is of eternal value. What an amazing investment. Everything else you're investing in, by the way, however great it is, is going to just go up in a puff of smoke. Not a wise investment. But invest in things of eternal value. That's something altogether different. And then, of course, as a new ground family of churches, those four principles, it's begun by God, it's sustained by God, it's small and it grows, and it's eternal. You may not know this, but New Ground was never actually supposed to exist. When Terry Virgo, uh, to, along with others, decided to make that decision that one team would become multiple teams, New Ground wasn't even in the conversation. Uh, responsibility was given. It was suggested that, that we shouldn't, it wasn't going to happen. Two years later, God broke in with numbers of churches coming together. And I can tell you with all my heart, this family of churches is initiated by God. It wasn't even supposed to happen. And here we are because that's our confidence. God began this. He has certainly sustained us. And guess what? We're still quite small, so there's only one way to go. And that is to become larger. And that is to keep on growing because that's what the seed of the kingdom of God does. And also what God is putting us is eternal. It's beyond us. It's for generations to come. Those of you who've known me for some time now know that I'm no longer a spring chicken. The years are going by. I'm kind of getting to that place of decade after decade. And I'm sure there's some people thinking, what's going to happen when Dave finally gives up? Is that the end of everything? It's interesting that when Terry Virgo handed over the responsibility, everything multiplied. Everything grew. I want to assure you this family of new ground goes way beyond people like me. And behind us there are generations and young people who are going to take this thing on because it's not dependent upon a person. Hallelujah. I don't know how you're doing at home, but this congregation needs to look a bit happier about these things. Maybe they're sad that I'm no longer a spring chicken. I don't know. But it's, it, it's something that we need to get hold of. Our confidence is not in people and how long they hang around. Our confidence is, why goodness, I'm part of something that goes on and even into eternity beyond us. This is the basis of our confidence. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is amongst us. And through us, it will begin to multiply. I hope you can rise in confidence to believe you're part of something that's God-initiated, God-sustained, that will inevitably grow because it has to, because that's what those verses said about the kingdom of God. And it will even go further into eternity. I would like us to make two responses. The first response is this. We're called by God to nurture the seed. 
to tend it, to protect it, to dig it around, if you like, and make sure what's planted does grow. And even though it's only God that can do that, we are not passive. Well, just sit back and just watch what God does. Well, we are watching what God does, but he's chosen in his sovereignty to use normal, ordinary people like you and me. We're not special, but we are his sons and daughters, and he's invited us to come into the journey together to make sure these things happen. So for you as an individual, what would that look like? Well, maybe God's calling you to make some steps of faith. Maybe he's calling you to be discipled more than you are. Perhaps he's calling you to serve voluntarily, to help the body of Christ function. Maybe you've got gifts that other people haven't got, and it's time for you to give those gifts. Maybe they're mercy gifts. Maybe we help to nurture this seed by our financial giving and doing so by faith. Maybe we dig around this seed every time we step out of our comfort zone. And do something by faith beyond that which we're comfortable with. Maybe it's a conversation with a non-Christian friend. Maybe it's an act of kindness. Maybe it's more radically a new beginning where you feel God calls you to go to a nation or to help plant a church, which means you have to uproot and you have to go again somewhere else. These are all ways that we can nurture the seed that God has put within us as individuals. And what about corporately as local churches? Well, maybe nurturing the seed is corporate prayer. Maybe it's growing in diversity and rejoicing in diverse community, loving one another as Christ has loved us. Maybe it is us as a church learning how to reach the marginalized. Maybe God is calling your local church to plant another local church up the road. Or maybe God's calling your church to break through into a nation. Isn't that exciting that your local church could start to invest in another nation and see what happens there? Maybe it's about going on an adventure and not staying as we are. So as we come out of this COVID pandemic, we've got this wonderful opportunity. It's like God saying, what new things you called as a church to now do? Let's not stay where we are. We're pioneers. We're not settlers. There are yet marvellous, wonderful things that are in store for us. And sometimes, this sounds strange, it's just good to go and try something. It doesn't guarantee it's always going to work, but I, I think God loves it when we as the people of God step out beyond our comfort zone and just gets into action and begins to do something. Luke 13 is a strange little thing. Jesus told another parable in verse 6 of Luke 13. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. He said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And this is the reply. It's so interesting. And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year or so, until I dig around it, and put on manure, then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. It's kind of like, just give me another year, please. I've really got faith for this. Let's just put some manure around and dig it and dig around it and see what God will do. I think God loves that kind of faith.
It doesn't look like it's been very fruitful, but Lord, can we just have another go, please? Can we just dig it around for a while and see what happens? It's a kingdom principle that's there in Scripture. I believe that one reason the church in the West is not growing as it should be is that we have lost this sense of stepping out beyond our comfort zone. We've become too insular and settled. We tend to contain what God wants to give away. We tend to keep it within our four walls when the kingdom of God is not restrained by our buildings. In fact, if anything, the kingdom of God is extending, expanding beyond our four walls out into society. We still, I think, are waiting for people to come to us. The kingdom of God is calling us to go to where they are. And when you read the New Testament, you see the Christians there in the early church were out on the streets. They were out in society. Most of the miracles you read about in the Bible didn't happen in meetings. They happened outside. You know, there's a story of a young man called Eutychus who was sitting on the, the side of the building and Paul was preaching on and on and on and on and he sort of fell asleep like some of you are doing right now as you listen to me. And he fell out of the window. Even that miracle happened outside of a meeting. Everyone went out of the meeting, raised him from the dead and brought him back in again. And the Bible says, and Paul then carried on speaking to the early hours of the morning. There's just something about the kingdom of God not being constrained and pushing us out. So I said the first response was this, the nurturing of the seed. And the final response, the second and final response is, it is time to take some risks. On the basis of absolute assurance that there will be breakthrough as we step out as pioneers into action, new things will begin to happen. The future of new ground as a family of churches is multiplication. And that is not because of a person or even the present generation. It is because of what God has promised. That is the source of our confidence. And there's an invitation today to start this new journey afresh, to become part of something that by faith will surely multiply. More churches planted, more nations reached. And can I just say this with all my heart, this is the cry of our heart, far more salvation than we are seeing. What a joy to hear those stories of people coming to Jesus without any background whatsoever. We know that's happening, but oh, to see that multiply. So churches are growing, not just through Christian transfer, but by people who don't know Jesus coming to him in their multitudes. Hallelujah. There is a harvest, brothers and sisters. And now is the time to go and reap a harvest for the kingdom of God. I want to finish by reading to you a prophetic word that came to us after that original core team meeting back in July when we were seeking God. And John Latoc from Guernsey is part of a core team. He kind of had this dream and he woke up and he wrote it down and this is what he shared with us and I'm going to close by showing it with you. Whilst praying today, I saw an image of ancient battleships like an armada sailing the seas. It wasn't large, but it looked orderly and determined. Maybe that's the season of being established and maintaining things. However, it was coming out of a dark storm Sails were ripped, rigging was loose, and beams broken. The crews were busily preparing things, yet it continued more moving steadily forwards, not wavering 
from its path. I believe God has helped us as a family of churches, even through COVID, to keep moving steadily forward. Then he said this, the perspective changed. The wind was picking up. Other boats who had weathered the storm began to approach out of the gloom and join the little armada. Wow, I'm really looking forward to seeing what that looks like. A formation was established. The ships began to lift full sails and catch the wind and pick up speed. I saw the crews were all on deck at their, situ- their stations. I could see from above that on the horizon, enemy warships were present, but lookouts had been posted on the crow's nests of each vessel, and they had spotted the enemy. They could also see a clear course to their destination, and the fleet did not waver from its intended course, and the wind was strongly driving them forward. And I sensed that the Lord was saying that as we come out of the storms of recent years, there is much mending to do. However, he is sending his spirit. We must be ready to catch the wind as he blows through. He wants us to pick up speed with all hands on deck and not alter course. We still have an enemy, though, who is still seeking to trick us and to instill fear. So we need to be vigilant, deploy the lookouts, the seers, the prophets, to enable us to navigate through the course he has set. We must keep pace with the Spirit, moving forward together. The perspective is changing, and the wind is picking up. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you have given us in your word wonderful promises about your kingdom. At once that process has begun of the seed being sown, the outcome is inevitable. In our lives, in our churches, and amongst us as new ground as a family of churches, please would you cause our confidence to rise even in these difficult days because we know that you are a God who's faithful and has, has the power to do that which he has promised. Hallelujah. And we pray in the name of Jesus for remarkable expansion and multiplication to happen. Not just because you've declared it in your word, but because you come by the power of your Holy Spirit and you enable those things to become a reality. And I'm so grateful. However hard we work, however much we run around, however much rigging we mend on the boats, at the end of the day, it's the zeal of the Lord of hosts that will accomplish this in generations to come. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you everyone for joining us. God bless you and goodbye.